When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health, all because of the probiotics. There are actually one billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and sometimes just hums the Night Rider theme. I'm Joe McCormick. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum, and our usual host, Jonathan Strickland, is out for the day. But we return in this uh, second part of a two-part episode to talk with Scott Benjamin and Ben Bolin from Car Stuff about the future of some car stuff. Say hello, guys. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for having us back on the show. Uh, we're thrilled. This is something 
that Scott and I have talked about at length in uh, various other episodes. Yeah, we've uh, we 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 discussed uh, the whole Volkswagen thing in the first part, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna maybe give my mouth a rest here because I think I was uh, rambling on a little bit <laughs> no. too much about oh, no, the whole no, VW scandal thing. But no, uh, we are so glad to have you guys uh, here. Well, good. Uh, yeah, so so we were talking in this first episode, uh, and if you haven't listened to it, you might want to go back and do that thing, um, because it will make a little bit more sense, uh, everything that we're about to say. But yeah, we, we were talking about the computerization of cars, and specifically about the scandal that just happened with Volkswagen, where, as it turns out, they put this little bit of software in their cars to cheat on emissions tests for a multitude of reasons. But we wanted to use today's episode to branch out from this topic and look into the future and say, what does the computerization of our automobiles mean for our lives? How does software deepen an already complex relationship we have with our machines? Because software certainly does change things. Like you you might have been able in 1950 to release a car and then falsely advertise what its performance was. Oh, sure. And say, you know, it gets this many miles per gallon, it goes this fast, and that wouldn't have been true. But what software has done is it can make the car dynamically deceptive. <laughs> do you do you know I, what I mean by that? That's you know, a nice phrase. You know the way I like to put this, and I, I was thinking about this on the way into work today. I was thinking that Cars are almost aware now, and that's mm-hmm. maybe the oh, best yeah. way I can I can put it is that they're aware of their surroundings. They know when there's a pedestrian in front of them to to brake, you know, mm-hmm. to apply the brakes. Sure. They know when there's a vehicle to the left or right of them, and they know that you you shouldn't deviate from your lane at that point. The time of day, weather conditions, it's just becoming it, more sophisticated. Exactly right, and and aware is maybe one of the best ways to say. It. I mean, think about like self parking cars, you know, that that uh, park. And now I understand that these aren't thinking objects; they're not really thinking. Somewhat, so there was a human somewhere. Well, Scott, some of our listeners might really argue with you. Some of our listeners might be cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's because it's true. It could be, but uh, but probably think, Autobots. In fact, yeah, <laughs> I don't like Autobots. So <laughs> it, it seems like you know this may be the best way to describe it as aware, but it's not thinking. It's not like true artificial intelligence or anything. Right? Like that. These, yeah. There's a human somewhere that said, if this happens, then that happens, and if this happens, then that happens, and when the two things combine, this happens. So th- there's a there's this very logical way of, of programming a car but to us it seems very smart because the cars in the past they weren't smart i mean you had to do right. everything yeah. everything was reliant on you or very very simple electronics but now it's getting so ingrained so so tightly woven together that modules modules run your whole vehicle now oh, yeah. yeah and i i think for the most part having smarter more aware cars is a wonderful thing i mean in almost every way this is great and on this show we've explored time and time again all of the fantastic things you can do with heightened awareness and computerization of vehicles. But there are things that we should be conscious of that are sort of possibilities to watch out for, I'd say. Uh, yeah, they're they're doing a lot of really great things, like like making cars safer for the drivers and various objects around them, including squishy human people. But the, <laughs> but there's so many questions that we need to be asking and need to be asking proactively because uh, technology moves so much faster than uh, legislation and uh, sometimes than uh, the human brain. So yeah, right. Yeah, well this, said. <laughs> yeah, this is a. Uh, Big topic to us, you know, uh, how does driving change when your car is in the cloud to wax a little bit poetic about it? So I guess the question 
Scott, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, is where do you guys want to go with this? Because there are so many directions we go. Do you want to do pros and cons or do you want to do you want to get right into predictions? Do you want to talk about hypothetical what ifs? I'm excited. I, it's not I, just the coffee. I, I could share one thing that kind of will get, get us started maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think this is a very simple explanation of, of what happens, but uh, your car can put itself into something called limp mode if something's going wrong with it. So, right. so cars limp, can self-diagnose yeah. themselves. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, there's, a, there's something called limp-in mode. And, mm-hmm. and the idea behind limp-in mode is that if there's something wrong with the transmission, it will uh, the engine uh, control module will limit, or the transmission control module, sure. will, will limit the number of gears that you're allowed to select. And this is an automatic transmission. So you uh-huh. can limp into the gas station or the mechanic. Or the ga- wow. or, yeah, exactly right, the dealership or wherever, and it doesn't strain you on the side of the road. Right. And it protects, it protects itself. It's protecting its sure. own system. It's saying, well, there's either an engine problem or a transmission problem, and we're going to limit you to how fast you can drive this vehicle, but we are going to allow you to drive it, and mm-hmm. we're going to warn you or tell you, get to the dealership because I need to be fixed right now. Yeah, because otherwise the, the event horizon-shaped object that that looks that, that is what automatic transitions look like could do very bad things to the rest of your car. And, and all breaks. I'm saying yeah. is that this is just one little tiny example of the engineers saying, you know, when, when this situation happens, this thing is going to protect itself, and here's how it's going to do it. And we can do that right now. And let that just kind of live in the background somewhere. Right. And when that situation happens, this is what you do. And, and the lo- yeah, the logic's there in alarm systems as well. That I would argue they are the precursor to that kind of thing, right? Sure. Because they would shut down on. You remember the story about my old Monte Carlo? It had a malfunctioning alarm system. Oh no! For theft, and so every so often it would say, "Oh, Ben is trying to steal me." And then I would have to go through this series of arcane maneuvers to get it to start. Mm -hmm. So I have experience with good intentions gone bad or soured in these kind of fields. The limp mode is just the beginning, though. And one of the big questions that we look at and how driving changes is whether the what is the role of the human, right? Uh, Will the human be relegated to simply being a passenger with the car being the driver or will the human become like a teammate? Like, but you know, is is your car going to become now your buddy? That's your shoving buddy. Yeah, right. Shoving buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's oh, a okay. it's a it's a show that Scott and I are fans of. That's a, a Family Guy reference. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a little bit obscure. Someone got it. It Some, was worth it. Someone got yeah. it. Oh, I guess the ultimate example of all of this is uh, if if cars become autonomous. Yeah. Right. Yes. Which uh, Elon Musk recently uh, known for some. Uh, Known for some, let's call it ambitious predictions in the past, uh, he said that he will have fully autonomous Tesla car technology on the road in five years, 2020. Ooh, but didn't he also say that watermelons would be sentient by 2020? Yeah, that was his main when he was uh, into uh, CSAs and farming. He was more on the sentient watermelon side, but he gave that up, and now he's into cars and PayPal and stuff. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Didn't folks. he say all these things while giggling atop a giant pile of froyo? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Not to spread a rumor. Yeah, <laughs> not to spread. It. I think no, it's no, fine. I'm, as, I'm yeah. delighted by Elon Musk's uh, crazy, wonderful ideas. Well, well, as long as we say just say just saying at the end of it. <laughs> Oh, th- this might be interesting because we've now got people in the studio who might be less pro-autonomous car than the three regular hosts of the show are. I- I'm I'm typically very pro-autonomous car. Yeah, well, because Jonathan and-, and Joe and I, we're all a little bit terrified of driving most of the time. Uh, we-, we don't really go for joy rides. Uh, so, and-, and you guys might have a different perspective. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so one thing that um, 
that, that we have to be careful with is uh, to avoid oversimplification when we talk about autonomous vehicles. And I don't mean just cars here. I mean also autonomous vehicles like, uh, you know, airborne things or boat, both possible to build. The, the problem that we run into is that a broad brushstroke doesn't work. Sure, autonomous cars would save lives in a country like India, notorious in its urban centers for uh, unruly and dangerous intersections. Uh, however, in a country like the U.S., where there are vast swaths of land that are nearly abandoned, right, and where there are, in contrast, enormously dense uh, areas like uh, New York, like Boston, places where uh, Boston actually is home to the world's most expensive parking space. Really? Yes. Yeah. Not We thought it was just the U.S., but no, it's the world, the world's reigning champion. Well, congrats, Boston. Yeah. yeah congrats on uh, uh, yet another dubious award. Wait, who owns that space? Is it a space inside a lab at Harvard? No, it's uh, it's in I think it's in the uh, it's in one of the blue blood neighborhoods uh, okay mm-hmm. anyhow point point being uh an autonomous car makes sense if you are in a a denser area because it reduces accidents and autonomous cars have a lot of pros and cons i am i am probably a little bit less anti-autonomous car than you scott what do you think well you know i don't want to uh, i don't want to go off on a too big of a tangent here so i won't i'll just keep it simple and get say on that the soapbox i i like i i'll surprise you by saying i do like some elements of autonomous vehicles some of the safety features mm-hmm. you know the, sure. uh, you know the, the automatic stopping systems and mm-hmm. the uh, the lane deviation and all that mm-hmm. i really like that stuff but uh, as far as an, a full-on you know don't do anything just sit behind the wheel I don't like that idea at all. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how far that would get. Um, no, I just, I just can't. See. I, I, I drive for pleasure. Right. On the weekends, I'll drive hours and hours just to, to get a pizza or something. Huh. Yeah. Um, I love it, and uh, I, I can't see giving that up ever. Well, I don't know if I don't know how possible it would be a, on a global scale if it's if it's distributed in certain regions because the the U.S. itself is so enormous that we would have to treat it region by region and each state will have its own different legislation. There was that excellent point about technology versus legislation uh, and uh, and how slow one is to catch up with the other. That's why Tesla, uh, that's why Elon Musk predicts uh, 2020 is his date for fully autonomous Tesla vehicles because not of the technology, which will be ready sooner than later, but because of the legislation. You know, can I say one more quick thing about this? Yeah, yeah, of course. When I read that topic I, or that title of that, that uh, article, what surprised me wasn't the idea that the car would be autonomous by 2020. What surprised me was the 745 mile range. Oh yeah, that's his <laughs> other isn't prediction. That, isn't that something? I mean, I mean, think yeah. about where we were when we started our show, high speed stuff, seven years ago. Oh and, wow! You know, it was high speed stuff back then. It wasn't car stuff even. Right. We together, you know, combined, both of us thought mm-hmm. there's no way that autonomous vehicles were ever going to happen because of the crude way it had to happen back then. Mm-hmm. And back then is just seven years ago. Yeah, and back then was just, you know, somebody with a remote control, essentially, yeah. making, a, making a life-size RC vehicle. It was ridiculous the amount of infrastructure change that would have to happen, again, just seven years ago versus now when we, we realize now that that's not necessary. You don't have to bury magnetic pucks in the pavement. You don't right. have to uh-huh. have a wire system that's laid out or, um, you know, safety walls all over the place. Right, or sensors town. on every roadside. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like that now. And, and you know, everybody understands that, you know, that, that 
doesn't have you can just build the car and it does everything else for you. I mean, you can put it out on the streets with every other vehicle and it'll still operate and look like every other vehicle too. Just, um, uh, just some background though, so people know about the Tesla thing. His prediction was that uh, Tesla, the next models of Tesla, would be able to go. S- no, no, just the new batteries would enable them to go 740 something miles per hour, uh, miles on a single charge. 740 miles per hour. 740 miles per hour. I did say it was ambitious. Yeah, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> in uh, insane mode. In insane <laughs> mode on a, on a, um, on a single charge. Uh, the closest he has to that now was something that went a little under 500 miles, yeah, 460 so. something. So that's why I was surprised by this, at, this long range. Yeah, but at that 460 number comes at a speed of 24 point like two miles per hour. Okay, I don't know if I knew that or not, but uh, I'm that, just I'm just saying it's ambitious. So on the golf course, <laughs> right? You will be you will drive back and forth forever on the golf yeah, course. Yeah. You'll be cursed. You'll be like the yeah. flying Dutchman. Carrying of the your golf clubs course. here and there, yeah. hopping off to mm-hmm. take a shot. Yeah. But but yeah. So that's a. I mean, so that is a great point because we're seeing this not just this trend of innovation, but this acceleration of the degree of innovation. Yeah. Another thing about autonomous vehicles that I think is is a very appealing point is the way that research modeling so far has demonstrated that these vehicles pr- will probably be able to increase fuel efficiency and reduce emissions by a pretty significant margin. Yeah, and, and you guys had a, a fantastic episode that I would like to plug if any of your listeners haven't checked it out yet, because didn't, didn't you talk about one of the big questions that relates to this, like what happens when a non-human thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in this case, what happens when an autonomous car breaks the law? Yeah. Uh, who's responsible? Is it the programmer? Is it the driver, the, the passenger driver? Mm. Is it uh, the car company? Is it the government whose uh, little piece of the road didn't get out of the way in time? Uh, is it someone chosen at random because well, they were standing there? Yeah. <laughs> the whole VW thing, they're, they're talking about criminal prosecution of the people that uh, were involved at the, at the, uh, the headquarters. So wow. it, it's going yeah. to the criminal level. So you're, you're right in that, you know, uh, it could be pinned on the human, I, I suppose, you know, because the mm-hmm. human is the one that set up those parameters to say that, you know, in this mode, you do this. And, yeah. and again, it comes back to that, you know, if this happens, that happens. Yeah. In the episode we did about what happens when a robot breaks the law. That's there the we... title. You can look it up on Google. Yeah. Uh, there... <laughs> it's from March 2015. Please go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I really did enjoy that episode. That was one of my favorites we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that one was about the unpredictability of robot behavior. What happens when a robot does something or a computer program does something that it wasn't explicitly told to do? Ah, but it's misinterp- fuzzy logic. Uh, it's, it's, it's misinterpreted some piece of data. Uh, it's it's interpreted, um, I don't know, a, a shadow as a person or something like that. And, okay. and you know, yeah. the, the visual sensors glitching, something like that. Emergent criminality. <laughs> Was the idea, but yeah, but uh, autonomous vehicles definitely figure into this because if an autonomous vehicle causes an accident, who's at fault? Right. And, yeah. And does the does the driver have the agency to override something, or is it a, a 2001 Space Odyssey kind of? I'm sorry, Hal, I can't let you do that. Or excuse is, me, I'm sorry, Scott, I can't let you do that. That's a child. Well, this is getting you know. Okay, I'll tell you right now, Volkswagen, not Volkswagen, but uh, Mercedes. Oh, yeah. has a vehicle that is essentially autonomous. Yeah. I mean, you can get behind the wheel and just let it go, let it do its thing. Wow. They legally have to say that uh, there has to be a driver in the driver's seat. And paying attention, and not, so they, not like doing the crossword. Yeah, exactly. They they will not – well, yeah, but that's up to you, right? They You can allow it to do its thing and, and you know get you home safely, 
but you have to be in that driver's seat. And they can't say this is an autonomous vehicle, but right. it is. And we you all also know it is. you also wow. have to be in a in a fit state for driving, so you couldn't go. Uh, I don't know. Drink a bunch of uh, what do people drink nowadays? Uh, uh, Red Bull. Yeah. Drink a bunch of Red Bull and so vodka. Bull. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then hop in the behind the wheel. Yeah. I'd- couple of gin rickies and then get behind the wheel right <laughs> right, right. So, yeah seriously you, you wouldn't want to do that because you're still having to adhere to the 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 rule of the land of the rules of the, sure. of the road yeah. really mm-hmm. um you know you can't you can't operate a vehicle while you're inebriated and and with mercedes saying you have to have a driver behind the wheel at all times that's that's saying whoever is in that seat is is the driver you can't say the car was driving itself you can't so say, yeah and, and that eliminates any kind of um um uh, fault from Mercedes for saying, well, this car ah. can drive itself home. Ah. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is interesting because at what point is the driver at fault for something that the driver didn't choose to do? Right. Uh, sure. Well, and, and that's kind of the point that we wound up really talking about in that episode, that sort of Wild West area of of weird corporate policy and like responsibility waivers and and lawsuits that are probably going to have to happen before the, the law catches up with mm-hmm. this technological capacity. Uh, so before we move on, one last one last pro, uh, and I'm sure that we hear this all the time, both on car stuff and on forward thinking. Uh, but there is a compelling case for safety in autonomous vehicles, and I have some statistics. So according to the NHTSA, uh, there were around 5.3 million motor vehicle crashes in 2011. That was, yeah, that's only the ones that were police reported. So it doesn't count all the other ones that didn't get caught. It's resulted in over 2 million injuries, over 32,000 deaths. And on balance, here's the disturbing thing. That was a really good trend. It reflected a 45% drop in accidents from 95 to that year. Wow. So 93% of these accidents are caused by anyone Human error. Human error. Right. My so, guess would be yeah. that's a low number. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's what's, range what's higher. Yeah, what's the other 70%, like like angry owls? <laughs> right, the other 7% yeah. is, yeah, is uh, angry owls and uh, occasionally. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes just Jonathan. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, Jonathan's I, periscoping from the sidewalk. You see him and get distracted. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, what's that guy doing? So I, I just, I just say that because I think it is, it is important. Um, even because to me that is the most compelling reason for autonomous vehicles in dense areas. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that Google is Google's autonomous car is up to having had like 15 accidents over its uh, few year lifespan now, but it still has never had an accident that was not a human fault. So amazing stat, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, really, all those miles driven and every time there's been a collision, it's been the, the human on the other side that caused oh, yeah. the problem mm-hmm. every yeah. time. Oh, I think there's been an instance where it was the driver of the Google car, but it was a human driver. But it was still a human driver mm-hmm. doing something that messed with the programming. Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyway, I think we should transition from talking about autonomous cars, which we have talked about a good bit on the podcast before, mm-hmm. to talking about other aspects of the computerization of our vehicles and the ways that adding software elements and and more and more layers of computerization to our cars could give them hidden agendas Ah, because it's kind of scary to, I mean, we like to think that our cars can be smart in the helpful ways that we always talk about. They can help keep us safe. They can reduce emissions. They can do all these wonderful things. But what if they're not necessarily serving our interests? 
It's a very good question, Joe. Uh, <laughs> it could serve uh, it could serve numerous third party interests. It could work on behalf of insurance companies, right? It could work on behalf of manufacturers. It could work on behalf of third party. Entities, governments, advertisers, advertisers. Oh, yeah. I've got a scenario I want to bring up with that. Uh, What about this idea of telematics? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So telematics, active monitoring of driver habits, a spatial chronological compilation of where you go and when. So this will tie into your excellent, uh, your excellent hypothetical later, right? Uh, So who holds this data on you, right? Uh, so let's say, um, let's say our super producer, Noel Brown, hops into his brand new 2017 Mercedes, dream big, right? And he, uh, he has an active monitoring system. It is enabled in his vehicle. So they know that every day at 5.30, he goes to his favorite coffee shop. It's always the same coffee shop. He's always out of there by 7.30. When he goes and when he leaves from 7.30, he goes somewhere else for maybe a couple of hours and then he goes home and they know the time he goes home. Then they know the time he leaves. They know the average speed he drives. They know the routes he takes and they can tell when they're going to change. What do they do with this information? Does he own it? Do they own it? Oh, they own it. <laughs> right. And uh, can they sell it? Because this has already become a problem in other other fields, this big data idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's interesting. And, and the way you phrased it, it sort of undercut an objection I was going to make to the telematics concern, which is that your cell phone is already able to collect this kind of information. Right. Yeah. 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 We put that in when we had another, uh, we had an episode on the infamous mandatory black box. Right. If you were driving a car in the U.S. and it is not a classic car, then congratulations. You have a black box monitoring stuff the same way that things are monitored in an airplane cockpit. But I love that you say that, Joe, because one of the things we said to the people who had these privacy concerns were that your cell phone is already doing the stuff yeah. that you didn't want the black box to do. Yeah, if you don't put your phone in, in airplane mode every time you get in your car, then you are being tracked by, at the very least, GPS and probably Wi-Fi as well, uh, just just by the, the handshakes that the technology goes through mm-hmm. as you're traveling. Mm-hmm. So, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so fantastic. <laughs> but the uh, there there are some pros and cons to this, like insurance companies would say, well, we can, if you opt in to this program where we can monitor your driving habits in real time, then we we can reward the good drivers. So we say, oh, uh, super producer Noel Brown goes to that coffee shop every day at 530 and he always drives the speed limit, you know, and I, I have been told you shouldn't do this. That you shouldn't opt in for that kind of program? Yes. Yes, that's the other concern because about (laughs) half of the people polled regarding what's called um, usage-based insurance or UBI, half of the people polled say, well, we just see this as a way for a company to inevitably raise the rates. You know, it's not the hundred times you do something right. It's the one time you're like, whoa. 80 and a 35 where's the fire buddy i've never liked this idea from the very beginning i don't mm-hmm. i don't i know it's an opt in uh you know part of the whole thing for I mean, now for, well for now yeah you don't have to do that uh, you know you're you're doing that to hopefully get a better rate on your insurance right that's the mm-hmm. idea but that's that's your only impetus to as a consumer yeah mm-hmm. but i mean i feel like that option. you're you're just giving more more of your own personal information to somebody and i'm i'm a pretty guarded person in in real life you know i don't uh, i don't um 
necessarily like offer up extra information to people if they're not asking for it. And yeah, I learned like your last is. name like in June. <laughs> That's right. How come you never let me read all your email like my other coworkers do? And and, and when you asked him his last name, he was he was like, "Oh, it's Benjamin." Yeah. Was, was that yeah. how it went? Yeah. I I'm it not persuaded. Yeah, yeah, not persuaded. Yeah, real mm-hmm. name. But Rubik, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's uh, Ben Rubikstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, You've got a Rubik's yeah, cube sitting on the yeah. table. Um, one thing that I would say is a difference, though, between a cell phone um, and the possibilities posed by this user-based insurance stuff uh, or this real-time monitoring is that you don't need a cell phone for your car to function. And it is quite possible that these things would become not opt-in material, that unless you are implicitly agreeing to this kind of monitoring, not necessarily even with an insurance company, but with a manufacturer, then your car will not function. I don't think this is too far off, though, to say that, you know, you, maybe you do have to have the phone in order to make uh, to make it work. And, Possibly. you know, with the Bluetooth technology, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows about that. I mean, you can you could be on a phone call. Get into your vehicle, and the call picks up seamlessly through the speaker system, through the, oh, yeah. you know, the microphone mm-hmm. system. Uh-huh. It, it's it, they're already doing this in a small way. Right. It's not out of the question that they would make other things function using that as well. I mean, you know, the uh, the entertainment system that you opt for at the dealership when you buy the car new. Um, if you go for mm-hmm. the top end systems, you can get apps and things like that on your in your mm-hmm. new vehicle. Um, and different, even a different, even operating system. So I don't think it's you know out of question that that, that you know it's going to start to operate a little bit more seamlessly mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. with your cell phone. Oh sure, yeah, and and you could even, uh, for example, insurance companies really like knowing how far you drive in order to get to work uh, as kind of a base metric of how many miles you're going to be going per day. And uh, if if it if it does a handshake with your cell phone when you get in and out of the car, it could tell if you're walking the last couple miles to work. And here's or the, if you've lied terribly to them about the number of miles well, you drive. Well, see, I've recently tried to kind of you know mess around with my insurance, and I don't mean in a bad way. I mean just to try to look, get my rate lower because I've got a car that doesn't you know. One that I don't drive at all that they think I drive and uh-huh. trying to uh-huh. get a lower rate that way. And, and part of this whole paperwork that you have to fill out to get this done or, you know, online rather, mm-hmm. um, they ask you how many miles you drive a day, a week, a month, a year, and you, re- you self-report that. This takes the self-reporting out of the whole thing because mm-hmm. they can just – they just know. They know how far you drive. And if you say one thing and then, you know, it turns out that uh, the reality is something else, they're probably going to hit you with, a, you know, an extra fine or something. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's happening. Yeah, and those are the kind of straightforward ways that you can think about people directly wanting access to information about your driving habits uh, because it is of value to them. But there are all kinds of oblique ways that companies could make use of information about your location and driving habits. Uh, one of the weird scenarios I came up with that your car software might have a hidden agenda would be something like the following. Okay, Lauren. Yes. Imagine you are out driving on Ponce de Leon Avenue. I I am imagining it right now. Okay. Now, you are coming up on a fast food franchise location. What fast food franchise would it be? Uh, Burger King. Okay. That was what I was going to say. Weird. Okay. Now- It's almost as though we're sharing notes. (laughs) Now, if your car knows where you are all the time, and especially knows what kinds of businesses you've been to before and at what time of day, it might know that you like stopping at Burger King sometimes. Sometimes. To get you some BK chicken fries. Well, clearly, that's the only format that chicken should come in. 
and fry it, shape. It, it may very well be the case that the auto manufacturer could strike up a deal with businesses like Burger King or, or whoever to say, oh, you know, if I think somebody is susceptible to your marketing, I can slow them down in front of billboards for your products or I can slow them down when they start nearing a location or one of your franchise locations to pull in for some food. Or, or even if not slow down, at the very least, uh, you know, give you like a, a little a little alert through through your speaker system saying like, oh, hey, there's a two for five dollar BK chicken fries deal going on today. And if you think that that sounds all like super ridiculous, I would say hold on a second, because I don't know if the idea of that type of advertising alert is ridiculous. We already get ads served to us on the Internet based on our searching history and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And imagine. Oh, it creeps so, me out. Yeah, yeah. So the the, inter, the imagine the audio you're listening to in your car at any given time. I think radio is sort of on the way down and digital audio, the, the kind you're listening to right now, is sort of on the way up for in-car entertainment and with digital audio, it seems like it's it would be perfectly easy in many cases for the auto manufacturer to supplement your digital audio stream with live updated advertisements. Dynamic ads. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I, have, I have three things that are all equally important that I want to ask. Okay. Uh, one, what are BK chicken fries? Oh, have you never seen them before? Because someone is driving by a Burger King right now, and they are freaking out. So I, I've never eaten them, but I've read oh, the Wikipedia page for them. Okay, yeah, you were telling <laughs> us about this off air. Yeah, they're 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 like chicken nuggets that are just shaped a little bit more like mozzarella sticks, and oh. then you, and then you just put them in a little fry container, and they're chicken fries. How are they not chicken fingers? Yeah, where are the where are the where are the fries on the chicken, really? That's yeah. what I need to know. Uh, they're, they're, they're just fried. They're just fried chicken. But they, I'm, I'm only joking. But they, they, no, this is what this podcast is about now, Scott. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> my second thing is um, it feels like there would be a liability inherent in forcing a car to slow down, mm -hmm. and then that would be a lawsuit waiting to happen. But the idea of an alert makes absolute perfect sense. I think we will see it sooner than later. Should I, in that. fact, have not said that out loud? Should have I just given someone an idea that all of us are going to suffer for? <laughs> Possibly. I totally agree. I, I think that if they if they start manipulating it to the point where they're slowing you down in front of there, that, that can cause a lot of trouble. That can right. be uh, a serious safety issue. That's so. something that could happen on a state level, maybe, if you're driving by Pennsylvania Avenue. That's something the government could do. Oh, what if wow. your car was just not allowed to drive to so, certain places during certain times. Well, how about this? What if uh, what if they just uh, decide that um, you know on this road the new speed limit is thirty five miles an hour and we're going to restrict every vehicle? We're going to tamper with uh, you know the the um, the fuel system on your vehicle mm -hmm. because we can do that electronically via yeah. satellite now at this point. Yeah. And say you can't go. See, you literally can't go. cannot go. You can't over go faster than thirty five. Anything below is fine. Anywhere in between, you've got control over that. But oh, not, who drives thirty five? Anyway, sorry. I have, I have a well, question. I right. certainly yeah. know that I can't drive thirty-five. Yeah, like it seems it seems strange. Well, I love this idea you propose about um, an ad revenue model, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because Waze is a great example, or a terrifying, disturbing example. The possibilities. Waze the navigation. What is, what, what, what is Waze? Waze. I'm not, okay, I'm not so with it. Waze spelled W A Z E is an app you can get on your phone that will tell you in real time the best way to drive from point A to point B. It will also update depending on if there's an accident happening. Hmm. It yeah. will tell you if there's information about traffic and stuff. Right, right. In real time and then it's uh you see other Waze users 
So it kind of crowdsources the information. The most controversial thing about it right now is people saying, oh, watch out, there's a speed trap ahead, which obviously law enforcement is not the biggest fan of. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the reason we bring up Waze now is because you know, stuff isn't really free on the internet. What what you're paying with is your attention rather than your dollars. So you will get ads that pop up saying, oh, here's a gas station. Uh, do you like Exxon? Do you like Quick Trip? Is this ad helpful? Hey, take a survey. Oh, they're fresh donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. Just so you know, not calling you fat. You know, yeah. and, ev- and everybody's driving around now with, you know, 10-inch screens right in the middle of their dash. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you yeah. know, so so it's mm-hmm. easy to serve those ads up anytime they want, really. I mean, as long as you have it switched on, mm-hmm. it can be there right in front of the whole family. So, Joe, what if you what if you got a brand new car and the dealer says we have a we have a, uh, an agreement with the manufacturer, we will give you a discount on your monthly car note if you agree to uh, if you agree to have a commercial pop up on your console uh, before you start the car or before you can get out of it after driving. This is absolutely something that I can see happening. Be- no, Scott's laughing, but I think this could absolutely happen because we have already seen advertising subsidized electronic hardware before. Like if you want to buy certain tablets. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Kindle, for example, yeah. has an ad-supported version that you can get, I don't know, like 20 to 50 bucks off of, something yeah. like that. Uh, just it's be... cheaper, but it serves you ads. Right. Just, just to be clear, Joe, I wasn't laughing at you. I was saying, <laughs> I was thinking of, can you imagine how frustrating that would be that if you parked your car and you're ready to get out yeah. and the door won't unlock, the handle is, you know, non-functional <laughs> until that darn ad Stops playing for, you know, Folgers Burger Coffee King, or whatever it is. Chicken fries know? and Folgers Coffee there together at last. Ep- yeah. Anybody? <laughs> Sanka Coffee. <laughs> there's, there's an episode of Black Mirror that kind of oh, d- dealt with a little bit of that. Not in a car, like in that a home a living situation. Oh, that was, yeah, that yeah. was pretty awful. That, that is one terrible. of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Yeah, was, was, that Black yeah. was it episode. a real window or was it just another screen? Anyway, <laughs> at the end of the That's show. That's a great question. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that could totally happen. I, I wouldn't see it so much as trapping you in the car, but doing something more like what <laughs> we mentioned fire. earlier. Oh, no, the bees. <laughs> Wait, sorry, please go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, using your lo- your location and your route to say, sure. hey, this person's going to pass a business. They've mm-hmm. shopped at this business before, and the business will pay me if I remind them that they'd like to go there. Mm-hmm. We see you've purchased a lot of doll clothing. Yeah. There's a Michaels a mile ahead. You know what? Can I, I, this is maybe a little bit off topic, but it comes back to what we're talking about. And it's an example that goes back to 2007. Okay. All right. So you and I in the office the other day were talking about some of the possibilities, what we we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And one of the things I said is, well, there's, there's this whole double key thing. Um, you know, where one key gives you full power to the vehicle. The other one is what they call a valet key. And oh, the valet yeah, yeah, key yeah. Oh, right, yeah. limits the uh, the power, the, out, the output of the vehicle. And it's not, so a lot of people think of the valet key as just one that won't unlock the trunk, won't unlock the glove box. You know, it's good for the door, driver's door and the ignition only. But now, and, and not just now, but, you know, recently, they've been making keys that have a function to them that they know when, you know, the key with the black fob on it, uh, that allows full power to the vehicle. And this is typically sports cars. Uh-huh. Well, and sure. Yeah, the, I, I wouldn't be worried about it in my junky, like, 2002 <laughs> car. No, but, you know, like the, the like you hand the red key to the valet because you don't want him out joyriding while you're in the, mm-hmm. you know, the mall shopping or whatever I, yeah. you're doing, right? If so, I had a Maserati, I would be more concerned well, about Well, I mean, it, this sure. is like, okay, like the Dodge, the, the Hellcat models, you know, the brand new ones. They're doing that uh, 
Corvette ZR1s had two keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bugatti Veyron has another another key where it's to the left and behind the, the driver's seat. So mm-hmm. that's and that one, this one's cool. I'm, get, <laughs> I'm getting to the point. Don't worry. No, 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 no. This is this fascinating. cool. You, you you use that key specifically for a top speed run. So when you put that huh. key in, it goes through this checklist and it asks you, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And then it checks the car to make sure that it's in condition to do that. And a top speed run in that car is like 255 miles an hour, 57 or something like that. So that's why it's saying, is this something you really want to do? Because then it, it just, you know, kind of does this on its own. It will activate spoilers and close diffusers Mm -hmm. and it lowers itself to the ground. It does all these really cool things. And I was thinking that's maybe James Bond technology. Well, you think that may be the most crazy thing, but this is where it gets back to what you're talking about, like going by a a dealership and saying like, hey, you're due for service or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? There is a car out there. It's the Nissan GTR, and this is the Japanese version only. Mm -hmm. Via GPS, it will detect that you're you're on a racetrack. And it will oh, yeah, eliminate yeah, yeah. the uh, the speed uh, the speed sensors. So the governors, uh, the, yeah, yeah, the governors, I guess. So that huh. um, so that you can take it at to full speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in Japan the cars are limited to top speed of 111 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and you think that's fast enough, right? But here in the states they allow them up to I think it's 156 or something like that, mm-hmm. and higher if you don't get caught. In Japan, <laughs> yeah, in Japan, you, it detects where you are and knows that you're at a known location that's a racetrack. And it simply just it electronically disables those speed limiters. Wow! So it allows like an unlimited top end. Now you could blow up your engine, sure, mm-hmm. but it it, it uh, remotely does that. It's very smart in the way that it does that. Huh. So I don't see any problem with having GPS detect you know that you're at uh, Burger King or at the near a dealership or near a, the gas station in town that happens to be offering the lowest price on fuel. At the, at By the problem, point. you mean no technical problem? No, yeah, exactly. Not an ethical. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's ethical problems with this too. Oh, sure, so. sure, but yeah, or, or even or going even weirder and deeper, like your phone knows that you're having a bad day because it can read some of your biometrics whenever you put it up to your ear. It knows that you just yelled at your significant other in the middle of a conversation, and it says, uh, "Hey, buddy, how about some ice cream?" Huh? You know you want it. Uh, or, uh, I'm just you know, going to lead you back into Burger King. Because, <laughs> they, because they probably have ice cream. They, yeah, have, maybe, they have chicken ice cream. I don't. We're, <laughs> we're, we're monitoring what you just spent at Burger King. And, buddy, that's not enough chicken well, fries. Do you, think it's, do you think it's all that uh, out of the question that, you know, no. it can read blood pressure from your hand your hand gripping the steering wheel? Not mm-hmm. at all. Uh, you know, well, I don't know specifically about blood pressure in the hand on the wheel. But certainly not a problem that it could, by various means, learn things oh, about sure. your your condition. Well, your, your your car seat already knows about how much you weigh. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a short skip and a jump to to a lot of the rest of the stuff. And the Give price me of the galvanic sensors. skin conductance. Yeah. And the price of those <laughs> sensors plummets. You know, for a while they're talking year. about seats that would uh, recognize the owner of the vehicle. Based on uh, the kind of their the butt, shape their butt of their butt, butt. Yeah. And, and the weight and all that, and uh, it would learn, it would adapt, and they realized that it was just it was something people didn't really want. People got uncomfortable. Yeah, actually. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got another one. Now, I don't know if this is feasible at all because I don't know if any car manufacturers would actually want to do this to their own customers or vehicles. But I also thought about the possibility of a car that intentionally sabotages its own performance if you don't use manufacturer-approved products or parts. Completely believe that could happen. Really? Yeah, it wouldn't drive. It wouldn't be a matter of sabotage. It would be a matter of non-compliance. It wouldn't wow. work. It would be like trying Ooh. to uh, – it would be like trying to take um, a proprietary plug 
for one kind of smartphone and trying to use it on another brand. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Is the, it becomes a proprietary issue where they would say, um, we're going we're gonna to make this thing have a little bit – there's going to be a quirk to it and, mm-hmm. that we own. Yeah. And you're going to have to you're going to have to adhere to that. You're going to have to buy our part because otherwise it just simply won't work. It and it needs it to be fit. replaced every 14 miles. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and this doesn't even have it could be something mechanical even. It could be the shape of it or it could yeah. be um, it yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. have to be ele- electronic. Um but but electronic is probably the way to go with something like that. Right. Sure, sure. Sure, they could do that. They could make it very exclusive. And, uh, do, I mean, aren't there aren't there laws out there? I'm not sure about this. I'm asking if you guys know. Aren't there laws that prohibit companies from making things that proprietary in, in certain systems? You know, one thing that comes to mind is, uh, and simple, and I don't know mm-hmm. if this is really what you're getting at or not, but um, car radios. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was just, that was, That's what that I was, was thinking. That was a nightmare situation for a long, long time. And, of course, you know, now they've got really, really advanced systems, and it's it's a lot more like a computer now. Sure. But back in the early days when you're just pulling one radio out and trying to put another one in, an aftermarket yeah. one, that was often a really difficult scenario. I mean, trying to figure out which wire went where, and they didn't have uh, the adapter sets like they do now. You and, know, yeah, uh, I, I don't want this to be splitting hairs, but maybe maybe the way to phrase it is that in many industries where they cannot say, thou shalt not be overly proprietary. What they do instead is say, these are the standards you must meet at some point that, mm-hmm. and, and do it how you will, but this is what we need to have Well, here's, here's an example. Like, let's say you go to, uh, you want a K&N filter for your, your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they're they're doing a lot better now working with manufacturers to make these things actually fit, you know, so that they, <laughs> you're not trying to shoehorn something that doesn't work. But, right. But I think there's also that stipulation that once you tamper with the intake, you know, the air intake of the, the factory vehicle, you know, once you, once you do that, you're, you're, um, you're giving up your right to come back to them and say that the oh, warranty right. yeah. uh, is still in place. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know exactly how, I, I haven't looked into this in a while, but I, I think that in the past it used to be that if you do that, you, you can do that. That's fine. It, you can, it's possible. It's physically possible to do it and you probably will enjoy the results, but sure. you've just voided your warranty. Yeah. Uh, now, I think that a lot, uh, a lot of manufacturers are working with some of the bigger, more trusted brands and, and aftermarket accessory type places and saying, yeah, that's reasonable, but we'll work with you on it so that it doesn't harm our system as well or our vehicle as well. You know, the, the part that we own under warranty right, for that yeah. amount of time. And I think it's just a smart way to do it. Some yeah. high end brands will, some high end brands will definitely go in the direction of not only proprietary parts and proprietary software, but measures to prevent too much futzing around with it. Yeah, like we'll, we'll allow you to do that. In fact, we'll make it easier for you, but that comes with a partnership with that aftermarket uh, right. parts. Right. It'll be place. almost like uh, how they're in-network providers and in hmm. insurance. Yeah. Sure. Or I, I've got actually a positive one, if you guys don't mind a positive one sneaking in oh, here. A positive of course. one. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, yeah. we need it right now. We're some, always some... positive on here. We're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so maybe in the future with all of this computerization, uh, recall-worthy problems might be able to be solved with a software update, uh, the mm-hmm. same way that you update an app on your phone. I mean, that that could be cool. That's totally possible. In fact, hasn't that happened recently? I think there was a um, – was it uh, Tesla, Ben, I think? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that, uh, that wouldn't yeah. surprise was like me at all. A, That's like great. like a flash update or something that huh. uh, that solves some problem. It, they don't have a dealership to begin with, so right. that right. would be a problem. And it makes some improvements <laughs> yeah. to things that weren't broken to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Tesla's a very – Prescient, forward-thinking sure. oh, company. You beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Though it's not out of question that uh, that could happen with other manufacturers as well, too. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're on it. Although the flip side of uh, enforcing software updates, of course, is uh, <laughs> planned obsolescence. Yeah, right. So anybody who has owned a smartphone, particularly an iPhone at some point, has noticed that once you get to the, the point where the iOS is too smart for your current uh, version or generation of the phone, it begins to run less and less efficiently. Could that happen with vehicles? That's a, that's a question. Could could the software in your, you know, 2017 Mercedes or whatever we said earlier, could it be obsolete? by 2021. So you're saying this is going to degrade over time? Like over the years, it just uh, starts to work slower and slower? And then, uh, yeah, like so- software bloat for your car. Like eventually it, it stops working as well because the, the software updates have done something to prevent it from... Uh, our, 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 the software updates are outpacing the hardware. It seems like you'd have to have a shield in place so that the safety systems don't... Or they're not affected by that. So that, right. you know, the, those collision avoidance uh, mm-hmm. parts of that system Ooh, yeah, yeah. remain as active as they've always been, as uh, as quick as they've always been. But, you know, maybe the uh, the Facebook app doesn't work. That, that's fine. You know, like that can, hmm. that can kind mm-hmm. of... Uh, there's room for error on that versus, you know, smashing into a wall or, or another car uh, or a person. Your yeah, fuel yeah. efficiency declines over time or your, uh, or maybe it just becomes less likely to start when you turn the key. And then your insurance company starts charging you every day that you're driving unsafely. God, that's so negative. Uh, well, what if it, what if, uh, you could do, like, you can also make real time games? That's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a story Uh, for another day, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like that game that I'm completely forgetting the name of where you're on the blue team or the green team and it's kind of like King of the Hill and and you play with all these other random people and and mostly it just amounts to a lot of nerds like walking around looking for certain like – Parts of it, they're just glued to their phones and like furiously punching on the like, no, I'm here button. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone? No, I I don't know what you're talking about, but I understand the the concept in general of of the idea of being able to play a game with your phone. Some people have gamified running through, you know, apps like Zombies Run. What if you could gamify drying? Driving. Driving. Yes, that is the verb. I, I'm sure somebody's already done this in a way, but they, you know, do it through your phone or something like that. Oh, you're yeah. even gamifying sleep now at this point because they've got uh, you know, apps that talk to your uh, your mattress, really. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and all kinds of sleep monitoring yeah, sure. technology. Yeah. You had poor sleep last night. Finish that... him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, there's the old worry about hacking. Uh, there's, there's. I mean, I guess it's it, everything old is new again. It, it, it's happened. It's happening yeah. right now. Well, maybe not right now, but... Oh, yeah. We've certainly talked about that on the show before. Um, but w- one thing I do want to say right as we as we finish up here, on top of the fact that I want to thank Scott and Ben for joining us. Oh, it yes, has so been much. Thank you. A, a oh, thank real you. pleasure to have you guys well, on here. The pleasure is all ours, and yeah. thank you again for having us on the show. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we always love getting out of the studio, our own studio, and, and coming over to your studio. and mm-hmm. doing, Which uh, is the same studio. Uh, yeah, well, you know. There's a whole different feel. Theater of the mind, Joe. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we only have our, our own show, like our own stage or something. But, right. Uh, yeah. But no, it's it's fun to uh, it's fun to come in and do another show occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, the thing I want to come back to is that I really, on the whole, feel pretty good about the computerization of cars and the things it will allow cars to do. I, I certainly don't want to be a downer on that in general. Oh, but yeah. With new frontiers in technology, it's always important to 
explore the things that we might want to be worried about so that we can bring them up with uh, with manufacturers and regulators before they happen. Of course. And now is the time absolutely to do that. Uh, I read a thing from the Boston Consulting Group that said that premium cars these days run with help from 100 microprocessors and like 100 million lines of code, which is more than a fighter jet, for the record. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you were planning on comparing your your car to a fighter jet, then it's a useful way of putting things into perspective. But yes, so so there is so much of this out there. There's only going to be more in the future. And we're curious to see how it all shakes out. But hey, what about you guys at home? Uh, do you have crazy computerized cars? How do you feel about them? Is your car Knight Rider? If so, call me. Uh, you can you can get in touch with Scott and Ben. How? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can visit us at Facebook or Twitter where we are CarStuffHSW. You can find our website, CarStuffShow.com. And if you want to email us directly with uh, feedback or an idea or just a, a funny joke, but make sure it's good, then our email address is CarStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And you can get in touch with us by emailing us at FWThinking at HowStuffWorks.com. You can visit our website which is also fwthinking.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. I think you can figure out how to do so. Uh, we hope to hear from you, and you will hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279. Or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.